But you are not like the ones that are controlled by the old sinful nature. You are controlled by your new nature if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of God living in him, he is not a Christian at all. Yet, even though Christ lives within you, your body will die because of sin, but your spirit will live for God has pardoned it. And if the Spirit of God who raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you, he will make your dying bodies live again after you die by means of the same Holy Spirit living within you now. So, dear brothers, you have no obligation whatsoever to your old sinful nature to do what it begs you to do. For if you keep on following it, you are lost and will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you crush it and its evil deeds, you shall live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you guys have a seat. Thank you so much, Miss Bev. Hey, if you guys do not know Miss Bev, you should get to know Miss Bev. Um, you want somebody in this world who will get to know you, want to know you, want to pray with you? That's that's your person right there. Um, she will do that. So if anybody in here is just like, hey, I need some prayer. Come see Miss Bev after church, I promise you. Um, she'll pray with you. Uh, man, thank you all so much again for being here today. We get to jump in, like I said at the beginning, um, to maybe the greatest chapter in the Bible. Many many people do call it that, Romans chapter 8. And I think the reason that uh, Romans chapter 8 has kind of gotten that moniker as the greatest chapter in the Bible, if that, you know, some of y'all are like, that sounds like blasphemy. You can't say a chapter is better than others. But um, look, I, I think it just kind of gets that title because this chapter, Romans chapter 8, um, really kind of sets before us the entire scope and picture of what God has done in us and for us in Christ Jesus and by the gift of the Holy Spirit that he has now put inside of us and really just kind of lifts up the glories and the wonders of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what has been done on our behalf and what that means for us now moving forward and kind of looking towards the future. This is a chapter like, you know, much of the New Testament really does, but this chapter in and of itself kind of puts us, roots us in the past of what's happened. It roots us in the present of what's going on in us and through us and then roots us in the future of what is coming for us in the, in the glorification of Jesus, right? And so, man, I just, this chapter is absolutely incredible. We're actually going to be in it for two different weeks. Um, so look, maybe this week, just read through Romans 8 again, kind of digest it, think through it. Um, I really do believe it will benefit you if you commit this entire chapter to memory. Um, if you can, some of you are like, that's insane, but I promise you it's doable. You can do it. Um, man, just put this chapter in your heart and in your mind because, man, it is hard to not have joy in Jesus Christ, if you can say the words of Romans chapter 8 in your heart and mind any day as, this, as the world and the, the temptations and the deceptions of the devil come into our lives, man, it is, if we can rejoice in this word, we can rejoice to the end, okay? And I, I just want to encourage you with that to kind of put these words into your heart. So here, here's the question today. Now, the main question that we want to ask today is this, what are the characteristics 
of the children of God, because Romans chapter 8 really wants to open up to us what it means to be God's child, what it means to be that we Christians are the children of God. I love that today we get to do a family service that are um, kind of, I think it's two-year-olds and upper in here, and uh, listen, let's just shoot that elephant now. If there's a crazy wiggling two-year-old anywhere near you and they're making noise, get over it. It's all good. Like, that's just the way it's going to be today, because we're in here together. We're a church family, amen? Um, and that means two-year-olds as well. So, man, I'm just so glad, and we actually planned that before, like, um, we, we had thought about doing that because it's the fifth Sunday today. We have baptisms. Um, we have seven scheduled second service. Um, uh, first service don't have any scheduled. Scheduled, just saying. Um, that, that may change. But um, we, we, man, we just were thinking we're going to have this family service. We're going to invite the kids in here. And then um, we were talking about that. Andrea Hayes goes, what's that Sunday actually about? And I was like, oh, what, what day is that? April 30th. Children of God, right? Like it's such a good Sunday for us to bring the kids in here anyway. So I just thought that was cool. Um, but that's what we're going to talk about today. What are the characteristics of the children of God? What does it mean to be a child of God? Raise your hand if you've noticed this. Adults, raise your hand if you've noticed this, that you have become, the older you've gotten, a little bit like your mom or your dad. Uh, there was like a collective groan in here. What was that? Nobody was like, yeah, me. Everybody was like, I guess, you know, because <laughs> um, look, I've noticed that. I know like when we're younger, we kind of pick up on things that our parents do that we sort of laugh at and pick out. I know me and my siblings in love, in love, we sort of pick on like my dad about certain things and the way he is and his mannerisms and the words that he says. But then there's a day. Listen, kids, this will happen to you too. There's going to be a day that will come. And adults, this has happened to all of us where you like, something happens, maybe you get angry or frustrated about something and you sort of say a thing, like something just comes out of your mouth and you go, oh no. You know what I mean? Like that was my mom or that was my dad, right? Like I said what I always thought I wouldn't say. Um, like you become a parent and you like your kid says something to you. They go like, why do I have to do that? And you say the words that your parents always said. What do you say? Because I said so. And then you're like, oh, no, 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 don't, 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 because that's what my dad used to say, right? Like, but we do, right? We become, somehow in the world, we become like our parents. This is sort of naturally wired into us. But I want to look at today, how, like, what does it mean to be the children of God? And how are we becoming what he is calling us and drawing us and empowering us to become by his Holy Spirit? So the first point today is really this, and here's the underlying reality of all of this. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God, okay? That's really the, the, the main point of Romans, 1, uh, Romans 8, 1 through 27, that the children of God are led by the Holy Spirit of God. Miss Bev just read uh, 9 through 14, so I'm gonna read two of those verses. Verse 9, Romans 8, 9 says this, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, listen, he does not belong to Christ. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Christ. Is that a clear verse? It's pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward. Verse 14 says this, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, sons and daughters of God, children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So Paul is just kind of making this point throughout Romans 8 that there is something essentially different and unique about Christians that is different than every other person in the world. And it's this, that we are the sons and daughters of God. We are children of God. Now, people all over the world try to take that and put that on themselves and make that sort of a universal claim that we're all in that way children of God. But the reality is there is something unique about Christian people that makes us the children of God. It is true that every human being is a creation of God. 
Every human being is made in the image of God. Every human being, I believe, is loved by God in that way that he made them, he created them in his own image and is drawing them to himself through Christ. But it is not true that every human being in the same way is a child of God. That is true of those who have faith in Jesus Christ and so are filled with the Spirit of Christ. That's what he says here. That we have the, if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, verse 9, you do not belong to Christ. If you're not in him, if he's not in you, living in you, you don't belong to him. This is what Jesus was talking about, by the way, in John chapter 3, when he was talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee. And he says to Nicodemus um, that you will not see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Unless you are born again, like the kingdom of God does not come. You do not get into the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And then in verse 6, John 3, verse 6, he says, um, he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit, right? And that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. How do you become a child of God? The Holy Spirit comes into you and awakens you, opens your eyes and your heart, brings you to everlasting life. There's a word for this, a kind of a churchy word. It's the word regeneration, okay? Or, or new birth. Peter says this, 1 Peter 1.3, we have been given new birth, regeneration into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How does that new birth occur? The Holy Spirit enters into us. God himself comes to reside within us. That's what Paul's saying here. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him, right? And so God, by his Spirit, at the moment of your salvation, the moment of your justification, everything Paul's been talking about up to these chapters in Romans, the moment when we put our faith in Jesus, what happened to you? I want you to know what happened to you. What happened to you was God put his spirit inside of you to wake you up to the beauty and glory of Jesus. And when he put that spirit inside of you, he says, you now belong to Christ. It's like God went, you're mine. You're mine forever. You're mine and I'm holding on to you, right? That the, that the devil throughout our lives, the devil wants to claim you as his. He wants to draw you to be his. He wants to tempt you and, and call you and, and keep you in this world and keep you under his reign and keep you under deception. But when God brings you to life through the Holy Spirit, he goes, no, mine forever. That we now belong to him, right? So that is the underlying reality of Romans chapter eight, that Paul wants us to understand. We are children of God. We belong to God because he has put his spirit within us. Now, here's the question. How do I know that that's happened to me, right? How do I know whether or not I have the spirit of Christ? the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He's called all of these, right? The Holy Spirit living in us. How do I know that that's true? So here's our next point. We are set free. The children of God are set free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm just going to read verse 4. Verse 4 says, In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live, listen, live according to the sinful nature, but we live a new way. How? According to the Spirit. Right? So that's the first thing we know. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are set free from the law of sin and death. We talked about that right at the beginning of service today. And then he actually says in verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means Father in Hebrew, right? By him we cry, Abba, Father. You did not receive a spirit of fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And I believe the connection there would simply be this, that if we are living in a spirit of fear, and, and 1 John talks about this, and 1 John he talks about fear has to do with judgment. 
So what is that spirit of fear? The spirit of fear that he's talking about is a fear of God's judgment on your sin, right? If you are living in a spirit of fear because of your sin, because of the judgment that you expect because of your sin, then you might not have the spirit of Christ because the spirit of Christ has set us free from that. And so we don't have, he said, a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father, right? We cry out, God as Father, through the Holy Spirit. So we're not living as slaves to sin. So really, that point is everything Paul has talked about in Romans 1 through 7, right? That we have been set free from sin and death now, okay? Uh, Next point, the children of God have our minds set on the things of God. The children of God have our minds set on the things of God. Verse 5, he says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So he's just talking about a new mindset, right? How do I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me? Because my mindset is now new. I have new wants. I have new desires. I have new passions. Now, this doesn't mean, go back to Romans 7, this doesn't mean that you're never going to struggle with sin, It just means that now you want to struggle against sin, right? Like you have a desire when the Holy Spirit wakes you up to see Jesus, to see the gospel, to know that God is your father. The rest of your life, you're no longer going to be laying down under the power of sin. You're going to be walking and striving and fighting against the sin in your life to live a life that's more righteous and holy, not by yourself, by the Spirit living in you because he's changed you. He's changed your heart. He's changed your mind. That word mindset that he uses in the Greek, it really means it's sort of a complicated um, idea in English because we don't really have a word for it, but it's a word that means to, to set our minds on what our inmost desires are. It's like a word that goes from here all the way up into your brain, right? It's like what I feel and what I desire and what I crave becomes what I want to do, becomes what I actually do, right? It's like when you ever, you ever get a craving for something and you just can't think about anything else until you satisfy that craving, right? You ever get a craving for some sort of food that you just got to have, you got to go after it, right? It's sort of like, that's the idea he's talking about, that when the Spirit comes into our lives and changes us, he does so from the inside, he changes us from our guts, right? Like he makes us want new things. So how do I know I'm a child of God? Let me ask you this. Do you want the things of God? Do you want to follow him? Do you desire, are the passions of your heart to walk according to his commands or are they not? Non-Christians, non-children of God cannot desire these things. They cannot desire the law of God. They don't want it. It's offensive to them. God's word, God's ways, God's will, God's wisdom, all offensive to non-children of God. But the children of God go, man, that's my delight. Read Psalm 119. It just is full of this, like I delight in the law of God. I love the law of God. I want to follow after the law of God. That tells us we are children of God. The next thing. So we have our minds set, right? We have our minds set on the things of the Spirit. And we have the children of God, the next point. The children of God put our sinfulness to death. So so what does that look like? As my mind has been changed from my inside out, like from my guts, my desires, my wants, my will has been changed to want to follow Jesus, how does that actually begin to play itself out? We begin to put our sinfulness to death. And I put the word sinfulness specifically, not the word sin, but the word sinfulness, because I believe what what Paul's saying here, let let me read it to you, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation 
but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit, there is the Holy Spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death, listen to what he says, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you are putting to death, he doesn't say sin, capital S, like the big picture of sin. You know why? Because Jesus put that to death on the cross. Jesus already did that. Jesus already dealt with that. Jesus already dealt with the penalty and the, and the power of sin on the cross and through his resurrection. So it's not for us to think that we're, we somehow have the power to put sin itself to death. Jesus did that. But we are putting what? Sinfulness in ourselves to death every day. By, he said, by the Holy Spirit. If you are a child of God, then you will so long and desire to become less sinful in your life. You will long and desire to walk out the righteousness that has already been imparted to you. Really, the Christian life is just simply this. It's becoming what God already says you are. You hear me? The Christian life is becoming what God already says you are. He's already declared you at faith righteous. You're right with God. You're justified. You are mine. He's already said that to you. Now, the Christian life is walking that truth out. I belong to him. I'm his. He has saved me. He has justified me. He's made me righteous. Now I want to live a life that's righteous. Put to death the misdeeds of your body. Listen, let's talk practical for a second. Children of God know the sinful things that they struggle with. And they seek every day to cut the root away from those things so that those things cannot flourish in their life any longer. Children of God don't glory in their sin. Children of God glory in Jesus. And we so desire to get rid of the things in our lives that don't bring glory to Jesus. Now, we're not doing this to be saved. We're doing this because we're saved. Right? We're doing this because we're right with him. We're doing this because we're justified. Read 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 this week. All right, I'm not going to read it to you. Just, just read that this week and understand what he's saying. He's saying that you're a child of God, and because you're a child of God, you purify yourself. Right? You don't purify yourself to become a child of God. You're a child of God, so you purify yourself. Does that make sense? It's opposite of legalism. It's opposite of just follow the rules. It's I love him, and he loves me, so I want to be what he wants me to be. I want to please my father, right? It, 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 when, when we are children of good fathers in this world, do we not want to please them? Do we not want to do the things that honor our dads? Of course we do. He's just saying the same thing. We want to put to death by the Spirit. He's teaching us to kill the sin that lives within us, the sinful ways that we still struggle with. Guys, listen. If you really are a child of God, and the Holy Spirit lives within you, then you're going to do the things you need to do to be rid of the sin in your life. Jesus said this, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And he was just making the point that Paul's making in Romans 8, 13. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Jesus said it's better to go into heaven with one hand than to go into hell with two, right? So do what you got to do. Look, listen, I'm, I'm going to talk real for a second. If you getting on your computer is a constant temptation to sin, stop. Get rid of it. Get a new computer. Get some filters on that bad boy. Get some accountability for it. Okay? Right? If, if, if you know that anger 
is a constant thing that leads you into sin. Like you just can't control your temper, right? Find somebody that you can talk to about those things. Maybe come to CR and work on these things. Maybe find some ways to bring self-control into your life by the Holy Spirit. If you actually care about that. And he's just saying, by the Spirit, we're putting these things to death. We're putting these things to death. If you struggle with greediness, like just loving money, you know what you should do? Start giving it away. Just give it away to people. Let the kingdom of God grow through the things that you used to struggle with. That's what, that's what Zacchaeus did when Jesus met him, right? He's just like, I just give it away. I don't want it anymore because I was greedy and now I don't want to be like that anymore. You hold on to it, it's going to eat your lunch. Kill the sin. Put it to death, right? The next point, what does it look like to be a child of God? The children of God cry out to God as father. The children of God Cry out to God as Father. Now, that might seem like an obvious point. What does he say? He says, those who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again. Again, so he's using that word again. A slave again to fear. Fear of what? Fear of the law of sin and death that he already said was put to death by the law of the spirit of life, right? If you fear and you're constantly living in the fear of sin and judgment in your life and you can't seem to get over this or you're just struggling with the things that Paul was talking about in Romans 7 from last week, you just constantly find yourself losing these battles. Listen, here's the question. When you fall and when you fail, when you mess up, when you lose, when you screw it up, and we're all going to screw it up sometimes, here's how you know you're a child of God. You have two options. Do you run from him or do you run to him? The children of God run to their father. The difference between religion and Christianity is this. Religion says, oh, I screwed up. I better run from God. Christianity says, oh, I screwed up. I need to run to my father. I need to go to him. I need to confess my sin to him. He sees it anyway. And if you know, if you know him and know he's a good father, you cry out to him as such, Father, Abba. And listen, this is not a doctrinal assertion. This is not like a theological doctrinal thing in our minds that we just know, like, okay, yes, I believe that God is my father. Like a robot could say that. No, this is like a heartfelt cry to one that you love. He's my, he's my dad. That's what Abba means. Dad, daddy. How do, how do people know that you belong to your father? Because he's the one that you cry out to, dad. That we know he's going to be there. We know that he loves us. We know, yes, he hates sin and he hates the sin in us. But when we do screw it up, we can still go to him because he's washed us clean already by the blood of Jesus. And he loves us as his children. Listen, to be honest with y'all, ah. I saw this a lot doing student ministry, especially with teenagers, but I think adults, we do it too. The temptation of human beings when we do screw things up, when we do fall or fail, or feel like we let people down. You ever just feel like you let people down? You feel like you let God down? You feel like you let your church family down? Like we feel that way sometimes. 
And I'm so sick and tired of seeing people just leave and run and hide just because life got hard or they messed it up or they went back to the thing that they had already told their accountability person that they weren't going to go back to, but they did. And so they're just Adam and Eve again, right? They're hiding in the bushes while God's coming after them. And I'm just so tired. of Guys, it would be like running away from your doctor because you're sick. Does that make sense? No. It's like running away from your teacher because you don't know the answers. That's the one you need to run to, right? You need to run to the doctor. You need to run to the teacher. Don't, listen, children of God full of the Holy Spirit, don't run away from home. They run home when they mess up. They go to him and they come, listen, they come here. That's what it might look like for you. Just showing up here and going, man, I need help. I need prayer. You know something that always tells me that God's at work in somebody's life? When they ask for prayer. That means God's drawing you in. You wouldn't be asking for that. You wouldn't be drawing close to him. You wouldn't be having that hard conversation if God went at work in your life. Because when he's not, when, when you're not experiencing the love of God, when you're not walking as a child of God, you're going to hide. You're going to keep quiet. You're going to pretend. Man, but when you're a child of God, you just come. You come to your father. The next point is this. The children of God have hope in the resurrection and glory of Jesus. In the resurrection and glory of Jesus. Now listen, this point right here, I want to spend like four and a half hours on. Okay, um, but we just can't do it. So I'm just going to give us like a couple thoughts about it. And, and honestly, I think I'm going to try to come back to this in a different message at some point um, because it's just so incredible. Um, here's what he says in verses 17 through 25. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But um, again, the point is we have hope in the resurrection and glory of Jesus. Verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And then he goes from verse 18, really, to verse 25, just talking about this hope that we have and sort of looking towards the glorious future that is true for us in Jesus Christ. And, and he kind of uses this phrase that I just think is so interesting. Verse 21, he says, that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Here's what I think Paul's kind of getting at in this whole section. It's this, that there's going to be a day when Jesus returns, and Paul talks about this in Philippians uh, chapter 3. He talks about like, we are, we are citizens of the heavenly kingdom, and when Christ returns, he will make our bodies to become like his glorious body. Like he's going to resurrect us into new and free and glorious living, physical living life. And he says, our bodies, our, our lowly bodies are going to become like his glorious body. And that's just such a mysterious thing to me, but I think that's kind of what he's talking about here in Romans 8 too, that we're going to be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I believe there's going to be a day, listen, right now, you and I just look exactly the same as everybody else in the world, right? Like there's, there's no way you could just walk around and look at somebody in the face and go, okay, that person's a child of God and I don't think they are, right? Like just by seeing someone you don't know because we all look the same. I think what Paul's saying is there's a day coming when that's not going to be the case. That when Jesus returns and he resurrects the dead, those who are in Christ, who are the children of God, will be freed from the bondage to decay. And we will actually look different and be different. And it will be manifest obvious that we are God's children apart from all other creation. 
right? And there's just going to be this, 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 this mystery to it, and there's this glory to it. But listen, here's the truth. You and I, for you and I, if you are in Christ, here's what you can know. I don't care if you're five years old. I don't care if you're 50 years old. I don't care if you're 120 years old. Your best days physically are always ahead of you. Did you know that? Your best days. Somebody better say amen to that, right? Like your best days physically are always ahead because we're going to be brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Right now, we're still like, I still got to live in this messed up thing right? Like you still got to live in you, like it's just broken and there's warts, right? And there's scars and there's struggles and there's pain and there's like joint issues. And we get all like, we got to struggle through that. But we have hope, don't we? We have hope that our best days, y'all, they're ahead of us always in Jesus Christ. And the children of God, by the Holy Spirit, we have that hope. The children of God, because the Spirit indwells us, listen, we don't have the fear of death that everyone else has. That doesn't mean it doesn't kind of bother you or what. Like, that doesn't mean that. I just think, man, as we think about the future and we think about what's coming for us, it gives us hope. Man, because we know he's coming for us. And we're going to see our Abba. We're going to see him face to face one day. We're going we're gonna to know him like we've never known him before. We're going to be perfect like he's perfect. Glorious freedom. Liberated from the bondage to decay. Anybody feel decay sometimes? Yeah. You're going to be liberated from that. Freed forever. No more cancer. No more depression. No more anxiety. No more COVID. No more sickness. No more death. Just life. Glorious forever. And the last point is this, that the children of God pray in accordance with God's will through the Holy Spirit. The children of God pray in accordance with God's will through the Holy Spirit. Here's verse 26. He says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, our weakness he says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Maybe our greatest need right now Maybe our greatest need on this earth, before we get to go and meet Jesus one day, I think maybe our greatest need is to pray. To know how to pray. To have the power to pray. To be led in prayer. And it's such a gift to us, right? It's such a gift that God gives to us to be able to pray to him, to come to him, right? With freedom and confidence, Paul says in Ephesians. We can actually stand before the throne of God and offer prayers to him. But here's the truth, that sometimes in this life, sometimes in this world, prayer's hard. Can anybody testify to that? Like sometimes prayer's really hard. Sometimes, maybe because of trials that you're going through or have been through, maybe because of sin in your life, that you're still struggling with. 
Maybe because of pain and, and suffering that has been brought upon you from the outside. Maybe something you've brought on yourself from the inside. Sometimes we just don't even have the words to pray. You ever just feel like it's kind of stuffed up in you? Like it's just kind of blocked, like you're just struggling to get words out, to say what you need to say? Man, I have felt that way. I've felt that way through grief. I've felt that way through pain. I've felt that way through stress. I've felt that way through sin. I'm sure you have too. But here's what Paul is saying that is true of the children of God. He said, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. With groans that words cannot express. And I'm not right now going to get into all the the depths of what all that could sound like, (laughs) because I don't know um, all the way what that might mean kind of out in the world physically. But here's what I know it does mean. The word that that Paul uses there, and he uses it twice, the word intercedes. It's not a word we maybe use a lot, but intercession, interceding. In, In the Greek language, it's sort of a combination of three different words. It's a long Greek word. And it literally means this, to come and kneel beside to confer blessing upon. That's what the word intercede means. That this is what the Holy Spirit is doing for us on the regular, on a daily basis, and especially when we don't know. It's what he said. When we don't know what we ought to pray for. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to get the words out. We're struggling with whatever. The Holy Spirit in those moments because he lives in us, it's like he is down with us, arm around us, praying to the Father for, did you know that God prays to God for you? Did you know this? This is true of the children of God. That he lives in us, and because he loves us, he pray, he intercedes for us. And man, I don't know about you, but if you want anybody praying for you, it's God. Because that's a perfect prayer. That's as good a prayer as anybody will ever pray. I'll pray for you anytime you want. I know Miss Bev will pray for you. We have a prayer team, and they're going to come down, and if they, you want them to pray for you, they will pray for you. But you want the Holy Spirit praying for you. And God says that's the benefit we get as his children. Jesus actually said, in several different places in John 14, 15, 16. So he said it would be better for us if he would leave and that the Holy Spirit would come. And I think this is what he meant. This is why it's better. This is why it's better. Because forever until we go and be with him in glory, we have an intercessor. We have one who kneels down with us to pray for us. So if you have ever been so grieved, so overwhelmed, so hurt, so sad, so afraid that you just didn't know how to pray. Maybe you had the desire, but you didn't know the words to say. You can know this, that in those moments, maybe especially in those moments, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. He kneels with us and prays to the Father. And he says, the Father knows his mind and he prays in accordance. This is the key, prays in accordance with the will of God. If that's your desire, look right here. If it's your desire to do the will of God and to carry it out, you're a child of God. That's true of the children of God because that's how the Spirit works within us. So I believe 
This is exactly what Jesus meant when he said, man, it's going to be better for the Spirit to come because the Holy Spirit is God living inside of us to remind us every day that we are God's children, to empower us to live as his children, and to encourage us to continue as his children in hope and enable us to desire and to pray for and to do the will of our Father. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the gifts that he gives. I think he actually does more than that. And Paul's going to continue that in the the book of Romans as we go forward in other chapters. But here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, Man, we're going to have time just to sing to our Father now. Just to sing about who God is and his love for us as his children, as his Father. But I want to speak to maybe some very specific individuals in this room right now. I want to speak to anybody in this room who honestly, as we're walking through this, isn't sure if you're a child of God or not. And maybe you know you're not. Either you're not sure or maybe you know the answer is no because you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never had that moment of, man, God has made me his through faith in Christ and he has filled me with his spirit. Here's how you can know that that has changed this morning. You wanna know that that's changed this morning? It might feel right now like something's just going on in your chest, like something's just pounding in there and there's this fire that's kind of started. I would say that's exactly what Paul was describing here. Like that new, birth, that God has filled you with his spirit to make you his. And the way that you can sort of like act that out right now would just be to say, I believe in Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Now listen, while we're singing, I'm going to stand right there. And if anybody, anybody in this room just wants to say, look, I want to follow Jesus today. I want to be a child of God through faith in Christ today. Why don't you just come talk with me? We have seven baptisms scheduled second service. I'd love for us to have some this service as well brought extra towels. We brought extra shirts and shorts, and we can do that today. Take this top off of here, and we can baptize anyone into the name of Jesus this morning to celebrate the fact that somebody who walked in this door, not a child of God, is going to walk out knowing that God is their father, child of God. All right, so I'm going to hang out over here. I would love for you. Just come and come talk with me if you want to about what it means to follow Jesus. The rest of us, if you need prayer, please come down. We do have some prayer folks in here that would love to pray with you. Come down and pray. Let somebody else intercede with you in the spirit, okay? Um, And the rest of us just, just stand and let's sing together. Worship our Father, all right?